been a bittersweet week for Toronto FC, one that saw the club clinch a playoff spot while also losing to rival Montreal Impact on penalties in the Voyagers Cup final last night. We will chat about both the positives and negatives ahead on this week's Footy Talks podcast. My name is Mitchell Tierney and on this week's show it's another Waking the Red roundtable edition. That also means a first-time guest as Waking the Red managing editor, new Waking the Red managing editor, Michael Singh joins the show. Michael, great to have you on. Hey, great to have you. Sorry, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> uh, also, uh, back on the show is Tej Zahoda. Thanks for hopping on, Tej. Absolutely, Mitch. My pleasure. And since he growled a bunch after I didn't intro him properly last time, Jeff Nesker, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All is forgiven. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, we'll, uh, we'll have to start this week's show on a bit of a downer as last night, Tron FC, uh, as they are wont to do, lose on penalties to the Montreal Impact in the Voyager's Cup final. They have now lost on penalties in every competition they possibly could lose on penalties in. I guess other than Campiona's Cup and uh, League's Cup, but we won't count those right now. And um, th- so, yeah, just uh, another tough loss for the team. It seems like every time they go to spot kicks, they don't uh, necessarily have the confidence or, or the luck or whatever have you. But uh, a tough one, I think, because for the bulk of 90 minutes, Toronto FC were the far better team. They very well could have won this thing easily but in the end it's it's a loss and uh, a big one for the club as that means no CONCACAF Champions League and uh, no Voyager's Cup either Jeff uh, you were in the stands we'll start with uh, your reaction to to the loss uh, I mean <laughs> I kept I kept thinking back to uh, CanChamp 2016 and of course uh, the first uh, thing there is no extra time straight to PKs is uh, is not something I like uh, I think I uh, I missed the chance to complain about that rule change, but uh, uh, or no 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 wait a second am I talking about uh, the MLS Cup playoffs where we won in extra time? I'm not sure now. Hold on a second. Uh, against Montreal. Yeah yeah yeah. Where yeah that would have been MLS Cup uh, 2016. Oh, okay, so then the yeah. then the oh, uh, anyway, talk to somebody else. I I lost my train of thought. <laughs> 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 that's a that's a pretty good indictment on what happened to Toronto FC last yeah. night. Everything was everything was great coming out of the uh, coming out of the gates, and then uh, they got to when it mattered, and they uh, I guess couldn't put a full sentence together here. But uh, Tej, what did you uh, what did you make of of the game itself and uh, and the loss? Kind of what it means for Toronto FC going forward here. Uh, you know, Mitch, I, I, I know. Um... Vanny said something about, you know, this is the good and the bad about missing out on Champions League. But for me, it's like um, after like kind of reaching that pinnacle of the MLS Cup in 2017, I still think like the next great frontier is winning Champions League and then going to FIFA Club World Cup. And I don't even care if we get like absolutely wiped off the board, but you always want to take your team to against like the top teams around the world, right? It's like, how good can we actually be? And the idea of winning domestically, but then kind of, you know, the MLS Cup, there's no, there's nothing beyond that. It, it's it's a goal unto itself. But I love this tiered idea. You know, you win the Canadian and then you win CONCACAF and then you go on to the Club World Cup and who knows what happens in there. So it, even if it's just kind of like with that door being closed, like there's a whole void for the 2020 season. And it doesn't matter what happens in the MLS Cup for me personally. I, 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 I'll be ecstatic. But there's always this little part of me, it's like, okay, well, 
there's going to be a major tournament and a major trophy in 2020 now that we can't even participate in. And it's kind of, uh, it's, it's a little, it's a little hard to kind of take, you know, that for me, that's uh, as many European fans are too, you know, they, they look past domestic sometimes to, for the champions league and teach their own. But uh, I think for me, it's, it's going to leave a little bit of a bitter taste. Michael, you made this point uh, off the top in, in your five thoughts article on waking the reds, the, the fact that Toronto FC have had all kinds of good performances lately, but uh, you know, even in their run of, uh, of undefeated, they haven't, you know they've they've dropped a lot of points nonetheless and, and this was another game here where they had a really good performance again they were dominant for the majority of the 90 minutes but when they really needed that cutting edge you wonder almost if they have that player anymore I mean Josie Altidore has shown over the years he can be that guy but when he's the only guy you're calling upon in in moments like this and when he misses a couple chances and maybe it's just not his night um, they didn't necessarily have have another player on the roster. I mean, as good as Pozuelo is, I don't think he's a guy you call upon in in one moment maybe to to make a big difference. He he kind of needs someone else to do that for you. And um, I, I think just so many times in the last little bit, we we just haven't the, the club just hasn't had that player necessarily. No, you're you're absolutely spot on there. Um, it of course when Toronto FC doesn't score, they're gonna lay blame. Uh, to Josie Altidore because he's the one who's supposed to provide goals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned when he doesn't have, you know, one of his nights or like this little spell that he's going through right now, this little uh, tough spell where he can't really find the back of the net. You know, there's half chances coming to him, but he's not putting away the end product. Um, there's no one else really to, to provide that that second punch. Obviously, he used to have Seba, but, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, it's not fair to compare. I said this in my article this morning. It's not fair to compare Pozuelo to Seba. They're mm-hmm. completely different players. Um, while Seba was more direct and more 1v1 and had that little cutting edge ability to go go to goal, uh, Pozuelo likes to link up with his teammates. Uh, Greg Vanny said this in, in his press conference after the game. Um, Pozuelo plays in between the lines. He likes to slow the game down. And I think Javinka was that perfect hybrid which, which tore up the MLS that was direct and could do both. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not really a knock on Pozuelo, but more so what we're missing now in TFC, and we haven't really found that replacement. Um, hopefully, Toronto FC was hoping that Erickson Gallardo could uh, fill that void, Nicholas Benazet, um, but we'll we'll see. You know, we haven't really seen those guys uh, come into play yet. We've, we've seen a little stints of them, but we haven't seen them uh, fully. So I'm excited to see there, and yeah. Yeah, Jeff, you had a you had a point here. Well, I mean, regardless of what game it was and, and what tournament, I mean, I, I missed Seba last night. Uh, this is echoes uh, uh, Michael's point. I really missed Seba. I missed what he brought to the game. I missed that passion and intensity, uh, that clutch play. Like, uh, I mean, we're circling. We're also circling around. Uh, Josie's always been clutch for us, but uh, you know, when he isn't, it's it's heartbreaking. And and that's sort of the one-two punch that I felt last night. Yeah. Mitch. You know, the one thing, Jeff, I was sitting in the stand and, uh, you know, talking about the people around me and, like, we were saying the same thing. It's so funny that everyone's echoing that. There were so many games where Toronto FC in, you know, 15, 16, 17 looked absolutely, like, out of it, outplayed, outclassed, outmatched. And then it was one moment of genius from Sebastian Giovinco that turned the game on its head. And, and mm-hmm. you know, he didn't have to have a dominant 90 minutes, but he had that ability of just there was, like, if you made one mistake – and he absolutely capitalized on it, turned the team, and he co- he had this ability to cover a, a lot of the team's roster mistakes and a lot mm-hmm. of roster errors. 
And Pozuelo and Josie, again, not, I'm not picking on them. They're, they can hold up more than their end of the bargain, but they can't. They're not kind of like that rising tide that lifts the whole ship, Toronto FC, where right. Sebastian was. It was like that, you know, like, let's jump, you know. It wasn't even like a rah-rah jump on my back, boys. I got this. Uh, it was more like, I'm going to pounce. This game right now is going to become a Sebastian Giovinco highlight game, and that's it. And, you know, you go, wow, the New York Red Bulls outplayed us for 86 minutes, but for those four minutes, you know, we won 2-1 because of Sebastian's brilliance. And and you can see that missing more and more. And when Josie and Pozuelo do go into lulls, you you wait for them, you look at them to break out, and then you're just kind of left with this. Yeah, it's it's not fair to them. They're not Sebastian. And and that's a tough spot to be in. I think it's also important to note that, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Pozuelo's absolutely gassed at this point. Yeah. Uh, you can see how tired his legs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his frustrations manifesting in interesting ways. Um you know, it, it, it's tough to watch because, uh, you know, we all we all had plenty of time to follow him in the Jupiler Pro League during that like long stretch where we were not sure we were actually going to get him. And we yeah. all became we all became uh, volunteer scouts for TFC. But, uh, you know, there there was there were aspects to his game, uh, even, you know, during the first month, I would say. Uh, where uh, that you just don't see anymore. And the question becomes with pause, is that because the standard of play in MLS uh, sort of, uh, you know, is it down to tiredness or have other teams figured him out? And I I think that's still a moving target. Yeah, there's also interesting systematic things as well. I mean, they kind of let him play a free rover almost when he got here at first and he was all over the midfield. Now, I think potentially because of how tired he is, they're, they're kind of pushing him more into one role where now even he's been playing out wide recently and and uh, I've kind of actually liked the look of him there. But um, let's talk about what potentially was the turning point of this game. I mean, Toronto FC had all the momentum leading up to that point. It seemed like everything was going their way and then the ball gets played through to Lassie Lapalainen and Chris Mavinga, uh, I guess, kind of forced to pull him down from behind, gets a red card. Um, certainly a different reaction to uh, the, the foul he gave at the end of the LAFC game where he cost Toronto FC two points with a, a tough decision there. I mean, uh, I think, Michael, you mentioned it. The entire crowd stood up and gave him an ovation, which I don't think I've ever seen for a, a red card before, and, and certainly we both remarked that. So uh, kind of a bizarre moment in that sense. But uh, what did you make of that play? Because obviously uh, at the time it, it's, it seemed like it was needed, but the, the second that play was made, it all, all of a sudden – after Toronto FC had led for, you know, uh, the entire game, it, it's, it seemed like they were on the back heel all of a sudden. I mean, obviously, uh, numbers-wise as well. Yeah, no, you, you can't really fault. Uh, I just I rewatched the play there. You can't really fault Mavinga for the ball getting through there um, and, you know, him having to chase down there. Uh, you could say that potentially you know, Omar Gonzalez could have got back, got a foot in. Uh, it's the 80, 84th minute there. You don't really want to take that risk. So I don't mind Mavinga taking that foul um he knew obviously a red card was coming as much as he tried to plead his innocence there Um, i think think he knew that a red card was coming so uh, it definitely flipped flipped the switch uh there in the game um i i can't again i can't i can't fault him (laughs) if anyone read my article this morning i actually gave him the man a match because he bounced back from lafc Right, it was. It, it would have been easy to to knock on Mavinga and for him to be a little bit shaky after obviously conceding that last minute penalty. Um, but I think that's been him over the years. It's just he's he has these moments of of lapse of judgment, 
Um, and I'm not saying that the red card tonight, or sorry, last night was one, but he does have those moments of lapse of judgment, but he is able to be resilient and bounce back, and his talent does outshine um, some of his lapses, in my opinion, at least. And I think um, the red card was a good, you know, that's experience. He's 28. He's played at some of the best clubs in the world, and, and you know, good professional foul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the key there, like you said, was was I guess how late it was in the game. I mean, um, you, you know, if, if that's obviously you know ten minutes earlier or so, then uh, maybe you, you feel like you have a chance to, to get it back. But at that point, if Montreal scores, I mean, it, it's literally over. You're not getting two goals. So um, I think definitely a, a smart decision by Mavinga. And you know, you were going to penalty kicks at, regardless. There was no extra time. So I don't know if he was thinking that in the moment, but um, <laughs> but uh, in in hindsight, it seemed like a um, you know a smart play. Let's let's talk about another player who had a, another really good performance and. You know, has just been. I think Greg Vanny used the word spark plug lately for Toronto FC, and that's Subasa Endo. I mean, um, you, you're coming to the part of the season here where you want to have as consistent an eleven as possible. You want to make sure the same players are out there. You have a clear tactical identity, and, and everyone knows you know what role they have on the team. It really seems like Endo's pushing for a starting spot, which is I- incredible considering you know his stock with the team at the start of the year, but. The the energy he has and the kind of fearless play he provides for Toronto FC right now is is critical. I mean, there were plays last game where he was all of a sudden in in part of the back line, and then all of a sudden he was the first guy in attack, and it almost made no sense. He was everywhere, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't like he was hurting in terms of getting pulled out of position too much. So, um, you know, for a team that has a lot of guys like Pozuelo, uh, like Gonzalez, who are are good, and Bradley maybe now in this that category as well, who are good but maybe not necessarily as mobile as they used to be. Um, having a guy like Endo who can kind of just run around them, and obviously Delgado has done that role for years, is it has proved to be pretty critical. I don't know, Jeff, what have you thought of of Endo lately, and especially last night? I'm trying to resist all the double entendres, but, uh, you know, like Endo, Endo excels at the, at the back end of the season. There we go. There was one. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, we've been lucky to sort of watch, uh, uh, Captain Subasa develop over, over, um, you know, a bunch of years, really interesting years for the club. Um, you know, seeing him work in, in Vanny's, uh, three, five, two, uh, you know, seeing him work in the kind of miasma that was TFC's form, TFC two's formations, where they were trying to figure out where they played and and how they played. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I I can't. I think that this new system that Vanny's preaching, this four three three, with an emphasis on wide play, kind of suits uh, suits Endo like a like a perfectly tailored suit, and that's why you're seeing him excel. And uh, and then you know uh, confidence breeds more confidence, be- breeds better performance. So you know he's uh, he's he's really enjoying himself right now. He's having himself a time. Michael. Yeah. No. I never uh, I never expected my first question to Greg Benny would have been about Subasa Endo. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he stepped up when Toronto FC needed somebody to step up big time. Uh, Greg Vanny was set on playing his four three three formation. And Subasa Endo provides the versatility to play either on the right or the left side. Um, and Greg Vanny mentioned this yesterday. He's great at both. He's both-footed. Mm-hmm. Right? We saw him putting a terrific ball to Josie Altador uh, from the left side, and, and he's he's able to cut in on the right uh, in the right and you know finish as well. 
So I think his addition will be huge, his run off C in terms of depth. Obviously, we have uh, Nicholas Benazet coming back to start on that left wing, but mm-hmm. he's make, honestly making a case to start at the right wing spot in, in the playoffs. And just talk, for hearing Greg Vanny talk last night, um, his decision not to go back with Erickson Gallardo, uh, it could be Subasa down, down the line. And what a story that is, seeing as 12 months ago, he was his contract wasn't renewed with Toronto FC. Yeah, he was a Toronto FC 2 player for, for you know, literally all of last year. So uh, definitely impressive for Subas Ando. Tej, I want to ask you about Greg Vanny. Um, the, the way Greg Vanny spoke last night, he didn't sound like a manager who was necessarily under duress. And I think that comes on the back of, uh, you know, including last night's game, he's lost one in his last, you know, 10 or 11 or so in, in all competitions. So he's really, um, he's really put together a, a decent patch year of results with the team he's finally asked for. So in that regard, it's, it's been a positive, but at the same time, you know, I, I know how much the club values the the continental competition and how big of a priority that was. Certainly, we saw that when they were involved in it uh, in in 2018. So, um, you know, what does this loss mean for him, and what does he maybe have to do now in the playoffs to to really earn security? Because, you know, if if they go one and done in in a wild card game, especially potentially if you know, depending upon how these last two games of the season go, uh, this could be a you know, this could be tough for him considering what, what the last couple of years have meant for the club. Yeah. If, uh, the, the run that the team was on a couple of weeks ago where every, you know, kind of on a downward trajectory, um, I wouldn't be so, I wouldn't be so sure that, uh, he would have seen me till through till the end of the season or, or at least till the end of the, uh, playoffs, but you're right. Um, he bought himself some rope. Um, with with their run in the MLS, uh, they've been on a good streak. The team looks well coached. The players, uh, as as you know, Jeffrey kind of alluded to, like they look tired. And and I can't I can't fault Greg Vanny for a tired Pozuelo. Um, maybe in retrospect, they could have managed his minutes a little bit differently when he first got over um, uh, from Europe. But uh, you know, and that's more of a hindsight being twenty twenty kind of thing. And right now. I think he's earned the right to take this team and see where it goes. At the end of it, I'm sure Ali Curtis would give it a long look, but I would expect with this roster and if they can afford somehow, you know, if they get into that final game of the season and it looks like, you know, decision day, uh, whatever that is this year, if it looks like they're not (laughs) going to be able to jump up um, a spot or it doesn't behoove them to jump up a spot because either way you're going to be playing on the road, then, good gosh, you know, I'd, I'd like to see Pazza, Altador, um, Bradley, everybody rested if it's a meaningless game. And if he gets a fresh roster to start the season or the postseason, then I would ex- absolutely expect a run into the uh, into the conference finals because things are lining up for them. You know, um, I, I you hate to use injury as a, as, a, as, as a motivator or whatever, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the word is, but... Joseph Martinez's injury just opened up the Eastern Conference for me. Um, yeah, I always thought I always thought no matter even when they're on a bad run that Atlanta was going to be the team that they'd eventually have to go through, and that Martinez injury changed everything. So yeah, the, the pressure should be on Vanny to make some noise um, through the playoffs. If he doesn't, then you re-examine what happened because he got the roster that he wanted. He's got the players. Um, he had a relatively healthier team this year than compared to previous seasons. So maybe it is time to take a look at what the manager needs to do, but. Um, for a team that's lacked continuity for so long, 
my vote right now, and as much as I'm not a Greg Vanny guy, but I'm also not a hashtag Vanny out kind of guy. So my vote right now would be to to let him try it out for the uh, you know bringing them back, I guess. Well, like he said, with the with the Champions League not being you know on Toronto FC's plate now, he will get a chance for the first time in you know two three years now to have a proper preseason where he can get the new players in, he can get them integrated, um, and you know he can make sure to to I guess kind of have his system going to start the year. He's kind of been hamstrung by that a little bit. Jeff, you look like you have a, a frustration well, on this. Well, I mean, I, I I don't like the language of a proper preseason. A proper preseason is being a super club that competes for all the trophies. I don't like, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Who cares if there are mm-hmm. scheduling knocks or whatever? This like a proper season to me sounds like a loser's lament and I really don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Um, you know, it's trying to turn that frown upside down using double speak that like just immediately, you know, is is a pet peeve of mine. I don't dig it. Uh, a, a proper preseason is competing for the CONCACAF Champions League. So this isn't it. Uh, yeah. That's... Mitch, I, to, to add on, absolutely, Jeff. You know, the, the one thing that I would didn't like hearing from Vanny last night is I would have liked to come out and say, not that was a good and bad. I would have liked to him to hear like, you know, we're, you know, like that Oasis swagger. We're freaking Toronto FC. We aim to be the biggest football club in the world. Right. And we are disappointed because we expected to go into CONCACAF and get back to that finals. And this time we're not going to let it go to kick. And even if he's just huffing and puffing his chest out, but it's just, it gives that, you know, the, the players that swag, that ex- expectation of, no, we, we underperformed and we're coming back next year. Now you look back, and if you're Erickson Gallardo and Nick Benizé and some of the newer guys, you look over and you're like, well, I guess the expectations here are one trophy a year, and that's good enough. Yeah, and that's that's cool. Tej, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, when's the last time they mentioned those those, uh, shelves at the training center (laughs) with trophies, you know? Like, what... Yeah, like no, what right. happened to that? Like, I, I'd hate to think that the club's aspirations left out the door when Bezbachenko and Lawicki um, left the club too, right? Because for all of Lawicki's knocks and for everything that you know people like to burn him for, he's kind of the guy who lit this fire under the club. Like, no, we're going to be a bigger deal and we're going to be mentioned the same breath as the Leafs and the Raptors. And for guys like Mitch and for guys like Michael and for guys like Jeffrey and Ben and Martin, that's what we want to hear. We want to hear our soccer club be mentioned in the same sporting news um, with the Leafs and the Raptors and the Blue Jays, and for the manager to come out and go, well, that loss is, you know, we just now we're looking forward to our preseason. Who the heck looks forward to preseason? Like, <laughs> no, let's, you know, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's 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 get back to some trophies. You know, that's what Michael Bradley wants to hear, and so that was a little disappointing. I'm I'm a little bit on the other end of the spectrum there. I actually kind of uh, agreed with Danny in terms of let's let's not run before we. We learn how to walk. Yes, we did win the MLS Cup in 2017. And yes, we have made the playoffs four out of the past five seasons, which is a great accomplishment. But I still remember the past like 10 seasons before that where we were struggling to get even close to the playoffs. Um, so I think we need to see a little bit more of sustained success in the MLS. I know one cup is nice, but let's see another cup run because... You know, TFC proved they can get there with Sebastian Javinko. Can they prove that they're a quality franchise and do it post-Javinko? Um, we obviously we came close to winning the Champions League with Javinko, but this is we've turned the page now, right? Um, I 
I, I like that that winning mentality, and obviously, uh, as a former athlete, you definitely, I, I'm, I'm on board with that. But at the same mm-hmm. time, um, I'm excited to see what a fresh Toronto FC side will do when they're focused just in the league. Because um, yeah, d- I, domestic competitions might not be the biggest, but they're still like pretty significant. Yeah, to build on that, and I guess it was kind of tempering expectations, and I can see why the language would add some frustration but you know you, you you consistently see teams that aren't necessarily ready for the champions league and and certainly that was toronto fc this year although they went out pretty early but you saw what happened to sporting kansas city you saw what happened to toronto fc the year before i mean teams like that who aren't prepared who get players injured early on in the year who can't deal with the travel i mean that can really tank a season so um while i think the the truly hardcore fans and and i guess those who understand um kind of understand that the Champions League again it, it, like Jeff said kind of it's that unconquered frontier and quite frankly I mean it's the best opportunity this club has to get global recognition is being able to have success in the CONCACAF Champions League for a lot of the fans right now the the league is kind of you know for the casual fan I guess the league is what they know best and uh, certainly the attendance of last night's game in, in some ways indicated that you know the the league games are what what everyone um, you know kind of the club's bread and butter so that that's that's what I think the kind of their their understanding that they need to make sure they have some success there first before you know the Champions League comes becomes an opportunity to put everything in it in it again but uh, we'll see it's going to be interesting to see certainly I don't think you can accept two Voyagers Cub losses in a row especially with you know the the certainly. You want to be a super club within the context of North America, but you want to make sure you're the best club in Canada, considering how dysfunctional all those other clubs have been in in recent years. So I think uh, definitely next year's Voyagers Cup now becomes all the more important as a result. But interesting to see, uh, I guess, where things go from there. Um, let's talk about another positive for Toronto FC, and that's the back line. Another clean sheet for Toronto FC last night. As much as, like we said, they're maybe missing that cutting edge right now and missing... Um, some of those scoring opportunities defensively it's been much cleaner lately and I think certainly Omar Gonzalez has added to that and more consistency across that back line I mean it's been generally Gonzalez, Mavinga, um, Larea has been in there for a good amount maybe Aro um, so it's been a pretty consistent um, four back there and we haven't necessarily seen that in recent years so uh, what have we made of the defending recently and I guess the importance of that heading into a stretch where uh, really, defending can be all important. You know, even that incredible 2017 Toronto FC side—they won a lot of those games ugly, one nothing. So um, that could be crucial, Jeff. Uh, I mean, it's nice that uh, Drew Moore is going to be rested. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of experience on that back line, uh, right, straight up and down. Uh, I think uh, the stats bear this out. But Omar has been a beast for us. You know, be nice to see him get a header. Uh, score off a header because I've, I've heard great things about that and and I'm looking forward to it but you know aside from the from the massive Nick Haglund style uh, you know headed uh, destroyers uh, I think he's been really really steady at the back uh, Tej you have anything to add on that? No just when I see Mavinga and Gonzalez's name on that lineup that comes out an hour before the game you instantly uh I don't fret as much as I used to in the beginning of the season. Let's just put it that, Jeff. Uh, that's the short and sweet version. <laughs> um, what a story Richie Larry has been. 
I think he's he's starting to develop not only into a great attacking fullback, but he's starting to hold his own a bit defensively. Obviously, when you're going up against P- Piatti, it's it's a little bit of a tough task. So yeah. uh, he looked a little bit uh, overmatched there. But over the season, even with Team Canada, he's starting to develop as an all-around fullback. He wasn't a natural fullback uh, to begin with. So it's great to see that he's adapting and his offensive prowess is obviously shining through. Uh, me and Hugh talked about this a little bit in the press box yesterday. Mentions that we'd like to see that final product from Lurie. He's mm-hmm. done. He does a tough part, right? Yeah. Um, but we'd like to see that final product where he can deliver that key pass or that that strike on goal if he needs to. Uh, but on the defensive side of the ball, we also have Aro that we can throw there. So I'm excited to see what Greg Vanny does in that situation going forward. Is he going to deploy Aro? Is he going to deploy uh, Richie Lurie? I'm going to go straight back to Tej here because we've had this. Uh conversation multiple times in the slot <laughs> Tej has been uh, very vocal about it and uh michael certainly just made the case for lorea there tez you're a big aro guy so this is probably going to be one of the key um kind of uh, i guess debates down the the season here is which one of those two toronto fc goes with um at least in the starting role um wh- what do you think right now puts aro above lorea when it comes to Aro, I'm still at the Rock of Gibraltar, Mitchell. I'm not wavering on that. <laughs> I, he will die on that hill. And, and, and I will. I will. And, 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 and to, be, to be fair, it's not a knock on Lorea. It's not, it's not a shortcoming in his game mm-hmm. as opposed to when I look at the roster composition and, and how either whether it's Endo or Gallardo or Ben. Well, Benazay would be on the left, so you know Aro on the right. Yeah. Um, I... When I caught Greg Vanny on the primetime sports there talking about it and the way he described it, it seemed like all signs pointed to he he envisioned um, Auro and uh, Gallardo overlapping on the right. And for me, it's the idea that Richie um, is does an amazing job attacking um, and he can get back on it. But there's too many times where I see him. Um, being, he's kind of, you know, even trapped behind Josie up there. Um, he's the last guy in the opposing uh, attacking third. And you see kind of the defense bending a lot around him. Um, the midfielders have to sag in a little bit more. Pozuelo comes over more to the wing to pick up. And I just think the way this roster is constructed to play wide and you already have the speed of Gallardo, the, the, what Lorea brings uh, over Aro is a little bit more redundant, whereas Aro gives you kind of a little bit more of a steady hand back there. Um, and I think with the the way Gonzalez and uh, Mavinga kind of play, it just gives a little bit more ability for Aro to kind of extend the extend kind of almost like a I don't, I'm going to make up a term here, but almost like a holding defender. You know, he they, right. you can put the ball pa- uh, to him, and he kind of has the ability to let Gallardo run past him or to move move in. Whereas Lorea is kind of just always in the tack mode, so I think it kind of doesn't fit into that system. So again, it's not a not knock on Richie Lorea, but just what I think Oro fits in with those pieces a little bit better for me. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take the middle of the road here. I I I think they might just platoon them down the rest of the year. Um, I think it, it. I guess it just depends on the situation, right? If you're if you're at home, perhaps, and you need kind of be onto the or kind of being on the front foot then you put in Larea and if you're on the road um and you know you need more of that defensive stability you go with Aro kind of what they did with Nico Hasler and and Beta Shore uh that's that's a good comparison yeah that's a really good that's a very good comparison yeah when they needed the offensive you know wherewithal they put in Hasler and then when they needed that more defensive um coverage they put in Beta Shore so I wonder if that's kind of 
where they go with that going forward. But as I said, that's probably the one um, the one positional debate that will continue to happen because everywhere else in the field seems like it's figuring itself out at least um, relatively to to there. That's uh, that's one that's going to be very interesting to see what Greg Vanny does. Um, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, no, yeah, variety is the spice of life. Yeah, it definitely is a is a good problem for Toronto C to have. And uh, I, I guess we can talk about that a little bit. The the newfound depth in, in some ways that um, over the last little stretch has uh, has kind of manifested itself in a way that you know certainly at the start of this year where they were just even 2018. I mean, there were times when literally it was okay, which 11 of you guys are healthy? You're going yeah. to start, you're going to play right now. Now there's a ton of competition for uh, almost every spot on the team uh, other than, you know, there, there's obviously Bradley and Altidore and some of those guys who are always going to be in there. But we've already talked about multiple positions on the wing uh, or multiple players you can play on the wing. You know, guys like Jonathan Osorio aren't guaranteed starters right now. Um, it has to only be a positive down the stretch. And um, I guess good on Ali Curtis for being able to, to add guys into the mix that could make this more competitive. I guess we'll start with you, Michael, on this. Yeah, no, a lot of people have stepped up and when they needed to. We talked about Subasa Edo earlier. Uh, we even talked about Aro and uh, Richie Larea. Uh, Marky Delgado is another name who's cemented himself almost in Vanny's starting 11. Um, <laughs> it, it makes me worry, though. It, you mentioned that there are some names that are irreplaceable. Are We're one Josie Alvaro injury away from going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's a little worrying. We have we have Patrick Mullins, which, I mean, was... I personally think was a good trade. Uh, the Patrick mm-hmm. Mons, it's, it's proven to be, you know, he's he obviously last night was not a good showing for him. <laughs> His stat line was not pretty. Me and, uh, me and Mitchell looked at <laughs> that after. <laughs> it was definitely not pretty. So, um, I mean, he provides he provides something different, something a little bit more direct, but mm-hmm. in terms of depth, let's let's not talk about the strikers. Um, even even our, our center backs. Uh, Lawrence Simon has started to settle in a little bit. I feel like the pressure's sort of taken off his shoulders. He's yeah. no longer expected to be that that guy. Obviously, Omar Gonzalez has, has done a great job at relieving that. Um, so it's been great when he's able to come and show off his uh, expertise, his uh, you know his experience, and he's been able to take his time, spray balls in Canadian Championship games, and that that's a little bit fun to watch because you know he's a talented player, mm-hmm. um, even though age is getting to him. Um, it's it's a good problem to have, like I mentioned before. Jonathan Osorio is another name you can throw into that midfield mix, and it's it's making our job at, at WTR predicting those starting 11s a lot tougher. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's it's a good problem to have. For the record, Mullen's stat line last night: 24 minutes played or something like that. Uh, he had uh, two passes, zero of them complete, uh, two touchdowns as well. It was. Uh... <laughs> It was a tough night for him, certainly. Uh, not a not a great and game. And one PK miss. Yeah, one yeah. PK miss, of course. Too. Now he did come on uh, very shortly before they got that red card, so it, it yeah. wasn't uh, it wasn't super ideal timing for him, and he had to slot back in the midfield. But yeah, not for the sure. uh, not the best outing for him in that uh, <laughs> uh, in that final. Let's look quickly ahead uh, before we wrap up here to the Chicago game. Um, uh, again, a pretty big one for Toronto FC in terms of. Uh, you've got the two clubs you're chasing right now in the New York Red Bulls and DC United playing each other. Um, so one of them is going to drop points. Potentially both of them could drop points in an ideal scenario. 
you're Toronto FC and you can pick up three points and pass one or two of them, uh, that's obviously a big deal. But Chicago, they're going to be fighting for their lives here. They still potentially have a chance to, to make it to the playoffs. So um, it, it's not a great chance, obviously. And, and the position that they are in means they should be beaten by Toronto FC at this stage in the season every time they play. But uh, nonetheless, they're going to be you know, a, a difficult opponent uh, again. So, um, Jeff, what do we make of this matchup and and I guess how important it is to, to the rest of the season, especially in the sense, I guess, of, of rebounding from a, a loss that, quite frankly, you know, could derail things if, if it's, you know, they take it too hard. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just going to echo everything you said. Uh, it's you need maximum points because uh, – Regardless of the outcome between DC and uh, the New Jersey Red Devils, uh, you know <laughs> you've got to. Uh, we need those three points, and then I think even more importantly than that is what you said: the the emotive element. Um, you, you know, again, uh, it, it, to drop a, a league game, because we've seen it, right? Like this this unbeaten run went from all competitions to league competitions, and now mm-hmm. it's going to evaporate to no competitions if they if they lose <laughs> the three points coming up. So. You know those those little cookies to to those little motivational uh, cookies to hinge your uh, your season on are, are evaporating faster or getting eaten fast if if I want to keep my metaphor going. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's an important game. It's a very important game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, it's definitely scoreboard watching with uh, New York Red Bull, DC United. That'll be that'll be an interesting one. Um, DC United have been playing really good really good football. And mm-hmm. Wayne Rooney is that X factor that can provide, obviously, any sort of end product at any time, whether it's a set piece. So going to DC there is not a, not really inviting for me. So I'd, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd obviously rather TFC win out these last two games and DC and New York hopefully tie. That would be ideal, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Should be fun. Yeah, it's so weird because DC were playing. I mean, that's just how predictable this Eastern or unpredictable this Eastern Conference has been. Is DC United were playing so poorly, and then all of a sudden oh, they've so they've, poorly. They've been playing incredibly well again. Um, so yeah, again, so go ahead. Down season for them. No, so just such a roller coaster of a season. They look. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to run away with the East at one point, and then they fell back to earth. Yeah, and then you also, see, you Rooney's know, gone. Ro- Rooney, yeah. Rooney's gonna Rooney's gonna become a player, coach, manager <laughs> slash owner of a team. You know? Like, well, now they're distracted, and I'm like, they're gonna slip. And I'm like, well, no, we're still on a good run. Yes, hats off to them. They've kept their they've kept the float. Yeah. Yeah. Before we go here, I guess uh, Michael, you mentioned one, but for the other two, any any club here that you don't really want to play in the playoffs, if if you're Toronto FC. We'll you know what? Uh, uh, three two weeks ago, I would have said Atlanta United uh, uh, to kind of hop on my earlier point. Uh, but with that, with that Joseph Martinez injury, I'm not not as concerned. New York Red Bull, uh, sorry, New York Red Bull, New York City is is the one team that concerns me. Mm-hmm. And for this reason, it's that that god awful pitch. And if 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 we're favoring to play a wide open style with the three wingers and kind of spreading it across. It doesn't happen there. It's it's Timbit soccer there. You know, it's it's <laughs> six, six, seven kids all chasing after the soccer ball at the same time. So I'm, I'd really be worried about a home and away there. Um, that's the. It, it's not so much the roster and the composition of the team that scares me. It's the the pitch that they play on and what that does to negate Toronto FC's attack, which I'm worried about. Not home and away. Eh? Yeah. Remind, reminder: no home and aways this year. It's uh, one game. So. 
I was going to let him have Sorry, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, anywhere in the playoffs on the way to the MLS Cup, that would right. be the one team. Yeah, first round. Yeah, it's it's a coin flip, right? But uh, so no, first round it doesn't. Not really meeting them somewhere along the way. So yeah, I guess to to answer that first round, then the, it would be New York City that would scare me, just because I do not like our chances on that pitch. Mm-hmm. Tej, we murdered them on that pitch. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we did, and yet I'm still. It's still like you know, kind of like one little fumble. It, it just to me, it's like it's a little bit of like that Plinko game on prices. Right? You, never know, you just never know which way the ball is going, right? So no, uh, I, I posted Tej's article on that. He has a bone to pick with New York City FC. Any game at Yankee yeah. Stadium, he does not want to see. Mitch, I'm just staying on brand with the article. I'm still trying to get results on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it does look really weird on the television. Like it's almost an optical illusion, especially when the when the grass hasn't been cut on the hash lines. So it's just, it is, it is a weird thing. But I, I love the turbo pitch. I, I can't, I can't hate on the turbo pitch. I just dig it. quickly, just quickly, the Athletic came out with the report saying that uh, I think Yankee Stadium may not be used as a venue. Yeah, for- Mike over yeah, the yeah, field cause... where the New York Mets play. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. So we'll we'll see about that. Keep okay. an eye on that. Yeah, definitely something to watch going forward. Jeff, do you have a team that you'd like to avoid? Montreal around? Impact. Wow. I don't <laughs> want to play them again this year. Well, I, so I, I, I get my I, wish. Everyone wins. I think, I think <laughs> the odds are uh, pretty good on that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the one team that you probably want to avoid if you're Toronto FC is is Red Bulls away if that ends up happening. Uh, that, that seems like the, the kind of place where they'd have another disastrous one and done in the playoffs. Um, we certainly have seen what crucial games, uh, you know, what happens when there's crucial games going on in uh, in uh, Red Bull Arena. So um, that's, uh, that's the one place I'd like Toronto FC to avoid. But at the same time, you know, definitely a positive that they are in the playoffs. And that's the one thing we have to to really look forward to here is is more playoff soccer again uh again hopefully it's not uh you know the 2015 brand of of playoff soccer and more the uh the two years that follow but uh remains to be seen again uh this weekend in chicago will tell you a lot about this club and and whether or not they can rebound from uh, what's what's going to be a very difficult loss and, and again that's that's the that's kind of the downside of the canadian championship being shifted so late in the season is there's a big loss to absorb right before uh, you really have to play some of your best soccer of the year. So, um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, until then, Jeff, Tej, Michael, thank you so so much for joining me. Um, we have uh, some very exciting announcements coming up on Footy Talks as well in the next little bit. So keep an eye on our Twitter page at Footy Talks Live. And uh, until then, have a good weekend, everyone. Mm-hmm.